Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. If the grass is greener, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A podcast that makes mincemeat out of Medicare, my man. He used to shoot baskets with a bowling ball. It's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Hey, welcome again to another exciting episode of the Medicare for the Lady Man, Lady, Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. <laughs> okay, I already cracked Randy up. It's a little early in the episode for that, but he's... I think you have been known as a ladies' man. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have an exciting uh, in studio guest today. So I'm probably going to skip promoting the book as I usually do Medicare for the lazy man, simplest and easiest guide ever. And we'll go right to our in studio guest, Mr. Roy brotherhood hello roy hello doug how are you today i'm great thank you so much for coming in um people might wonder why uh you have become the guest today and it dates back to when we had clarence in here remember our friend clarence uh, came in did an episode yes and we talked about his dogs and life with dogs and everything else <laughs> and, uh, it was you you actually told me a couple of times that it was an entertaining episode so I thought, well, who else can I snag and drag in here against their will? And and that turned out to be you at the top of the list. Here I am. Yes. <laughs> and I appreciate it. So if I forget to thank you later on, thank you very much for joining us. Um, you and I go way back to 2008, as I recall. I've talked a lot about the Corvette trips we used to take in uh, uh, the earlier part of this millennium. And what happened was Roy and I each at different times, unbeknownst to each other. I lived in Illinois. He lived in New York. And we registered our mid-year Corvettes. Roy had a 67. I had a 65. And we registered them on a website. And eventually, the owners of the website organized a trip on Route 66, starting at the very beginning of the road in Chicago and ending two and a half weeks later in California. So uh, Roy and I independently signed up for that trip. And we eventually met in downtown Chicago on an April Sunday morning. And it was uh, the beginning of two and a half weeks of togetherness and all the whole group. Nobody knew anybody else, really. And so uh, we were all staring at each other, wondering who was going to be the troublemaker and and uh, whose car was going to break down. And, and at the end of that week, we were tearfully hugging and promising to do it again because it was so much fun and we have we've done it many times since then so roy and i've spent a lot of time on the road in old corvettes yeah now the other thing that roy and i uh have (laughs) kind of joined together in is he became a client of mine when he was 65 he uh uh got a new york-based uh medicare plan as i recall did i get you your first one you did okay so it was new york-based it was a um I believe it was a high deductible plan F. And then you moved to Arizona 
uh, after, you know, quite a while after that. And I managed to get you another uh, high deductible plan F that's uh, Humana, but uh, basically it's based on your Arizona address. And you've had that for a long time. How long have you lived out here? Uh, 10 years now. Okay. Years, I'm sorry. Jesus, yeah. time goes so quickly. So you've had an exciting medical history since then. Yeah, I think I'm a power user on Medicare. Well, you're certainly, uh, the taxpayers are treating you very well. They are. As opposed to what might have happened had you had an Obamacare plan, I'm guessing. Uh, Big deductibles, often those plans, you have a big deductible to hold the cost down. Right. And then uh, you wind up sharing a lot of the cost. And you've had the misfortune to have a couple of unusual medical conditions that the treatment for is very expensive. Yes. So I was kind of hoping to touch on that today, but... That's that's um, not unhappy talk because you've been uh, the pain that you used to have has been taken away from you. The treatment's been effective. That's correct. So every day is not a, an unhappy, unpleasant day for you. It's just you go see a doctor more often than the rest of us do. Yeah, about once a week. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but what else have I got to do? <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Your wife is also very patient. Uh, she goes with you to all of these things. She and- does. So I don't know exactly where to start. I should warn you that Ted Kennedy uh, is dead now. So the HIPAA law, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't exist anymore. But if, if we get close to anything you don't want to talk about, the first thing you do is uh, give me the finger or something. Yeah, no worries there. If the government's got my information, everybody has it. Yeah, that's true. I I had to do something online and it, it asked me a series of questions of things I thought nobody knew about me. Isn't that amazing? Yeah frightening it's absolutely frightening so anyway let's talk about um what happened well first of all you've got a high deductible plan f that's correct and i recommend that people go to a high deductible plan g in fact they have no choice um now because they've cut off access to the plan f uh for people older or younger than us and um but you have had it for so many years and you've gone through a lot of medical trials and tribulations and huge annual bills. So you've maxed out on the deductible every year. Have you found that to be a problem or has it worked out okay for you? Uh, it's not a problem at all. I, I think it, it works quite well. I, I know what my upfront cost is. And I think what, what's our deductible? Like 23? Well, it's going, it's it's 2490 this year and it's going to 2700. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Well, I don't it, like that. It sounds like a big number, <laughs> but in reality, if you were to compare it to a regular plan G that you might purchase instead of the high deductible plan G, which is so inexpensive, you would find that you have a fairly substantial monthly savings in premium. Mm-hmm. And what I try to tell new clients that are afraid of the big deductible is that you take that difference, that savings, and it could be $100 a month, it could be more than that, and uh, you subtract it from the deductible and you come up with a much more reasonable looking number. Yes. Like maybe a thousand or twelve hundred dollars that you're putting out over and above what you would have to if you had a plan that was more expensive but paid for everything. Right, and that's that's how I look at it. I look at it at the at the annual cost, my out of pocket expenses. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I, I consume right now. I'm, I'm consuming on on the average weekly about uh, eighteen hundred dollars a week in Medicare payments. Eighteen hundred times fifty two. You do the math, ladies and gentlemen. I don't want to do that. It's a scary number, but. Uh, it, Medicare is working for Roy. Um, the uh, the first thing, I mean, obviously, uh, you had symptoms of something, or something was discovered during a 
an examination? How did that, how did you di- yeah, get a diagnosis? A routine physical uh, in 2017 and uh, typical blood tests, CBC, CMPs, and all that other crap. And uh, a couple of days later, I get a call from, I'm going to the white exercise, get a call from my doctor. He says, stop what you're doing and go to the emergency room. And that, that had to be a fun call. It was it was a was not fun, but it was interesting because he said you're in danger of a stroke. Jesus. And uh so I went to the emergency room and uh they did, did more blood work on me and it turned out my blood platelet level and platelets are the little guys that keep your blood from leaking out of your veins and inside your body and also uh stop you from bleeding when you cut yourself. You kind of get together and coagulate. Okay, so they coagulate the yeah. blood. Uh, and my typical platelet range is uh, 140 to uh, uh, about 200 or to 400,000 uh, platelets and it's per something per microliter or something like that. Uh-huh. And uh, my platelet level was down around 9,000. So now why would that uh, make you prone to a stroke? Because uh, you wind up, you have a risk of internal bleeding. Okay. And uh, brain hemorrhage. Ah. And then that leads to stroke. I thought a stroke was a clot that stops circulation. It's, it's the loss of blood to the brain. Okay. Whatever the reason then. For whatever the reason, it's a loss. A stroke is a loss of blood to the brain. Too. Okay. Randy, write that down. If I ever see you make a funny face again, then I'll I'll, I'll suspect something. I've got I've got that I have got that covered, Doug. <laughs> Excellent. So I and, although I, I thought it was the same thing you did. I didn't I thought it was stopping the flow somewhere. <laughs> well it's, it's the absence of flow. Got it. Yeah, okay. Well there you go. So if it's leaking out somewhere else and not getting down the pike, I get it now. Thanks. Yes. Thanks for clarifying that. Oh, my pleasure. So so anyway, so they and so the 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 technical name is thrombocytopenia or IT. <sighs> Boy, okay, we're going to have a spelling exam later on. It's spelled just as it sounds. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so I, I got involved in treatment, had infu- had several fug- infusions of different types. It's, it was almost like a cancer treatment where it would take about six hours a day for the infusions. And uh, it worked temporarily and didn't work. Then they got me involved, finally got me involved in this program with a product called N-Plate. And it's just a tiny little 94.3 microgram injection a week except that it costs like $1,800. All right. First of all, uh, you said involved, you got, they got you involved with the program. Yeah. Was it an experimental? No. Uh, Medicare makes you go through all these steps before you can take this final step to get And I'm not surprised to hear that at $1,800 a pop. They want to make sure there's nothing cheaper yeah, that they, will. They want you to do steroids, which is horrible. I don't rec- recommend steroids for anybody. Uh, the, uh, the infusion treatments is called IVIG. It's an immune globulin treatment. And, uh, uh, while it works temporarily, it doesn't take hold and make it permanent. And uh, it takes about six hours a day. And I was in there three days one week getting getting these these uh, infusions. Uh-huh. So uh, he finally said, I'm a good candidate for this. And we tried it and it worked. And it's keep my playable level at a reasonable level. Well, not lo- not normal. It's reasonable. Okay. Yeah, I know it bounces around because it does. often we uh, call up Roy's wife and ask what the score was this week. <laughs> yeah. So every Wednesday I get a blood test. Every Thursday, every Friday I get the injection. Right. And then uh, every Monday uh, somebody gets a bill for eighteen hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And by the way, that's that's the amount that Medicare actually pays. Yes. Not what they bill. I'm sure that it's going to be like any other medical treatment. The doctor's bill has the the huge figure that he would really like to yes. collect. For the treatment and Medicare slaps him right down. Exactly. Strap it right down. So, and then, so the way it works out for me is in the beginning of the year, while I'm going through the deductible, the new deductible period, uh, it costs me about, I think around 400 bucks a week, but it doesn't take long to use up. 
$2,500. Right. And then you're in the 100% territory. The rest, of the rest of the year is just home free. I can go to, the doc- go to the doctor for anything and it doesn't cost me a thing. Right. Right. And uh, you probably run out of things to think about going to the doctor for. Oh, I seem to find new things. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, is, there's no physical, um, not ramification, there's no physical manifestation of this condition. It's only uh, identifiable in a blood test. That's correct. Uh, although you, you, I do, I, I can get fatigued when my platelet levels drop real low. I can get, I can be fatigued, and I did not know why I was tired before that happened. Ah, okay. Uh, the other thing is, you can get, you wind up with bruises on your arms and legs and body and different where you're where you're bleeding internally. If the count is low. If the count is low, and I'd had that, and I thought I just bumped into things and bruised myself. It, well, I get that all the time. Working on cars, as you and I have spent a lot of our time. Just keep on going. You don't worry about it. Turned out it was something more serious. Is there a too high level? Yes. And yes. what are the manifestations of that? Uh, blood clots. Okay. Pretty much the same thing. Stroke, heart attack. Gotcha. You know, so so if your plate level get, gets over 500,000, they get really worried about that, and they start giving you blood thinners. Gotcha. To reduce the plate level. But in my case, I'm never there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then when we've gone on trips, you've had to change from the infusion that you get once a week to an oral medication, which is a lot more convenient. It's oral is more convenient. I wish I could take it all the time because I tolerate it very well. Uh, It's a drug called Promatka. And so my my doctor is very nice to get me samples of that when when we go on vacation. The only problem is it's $300 a pill. And how many pills would you wind up taking during a week? Uh, One a day. Oh, okay. One a day. And but it's not on the approved medication list on anybody's uh, formulary, right? So basically, when we every year or whenever we want to look at your drug list to see if you can get a cheaper drug plan, that one is never on it. But it becomes a Part B expense because you have these infusions in a doctor's office. Yes, I actually go to a cancer center, and I don't have cancer. No, take that the wrong way, right? Uh, But I go to it's considered a hospital setting. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that makes it more palatable because once he's passed the part B deductible and the uh, high deductible plan F deductible, he's into 100% territory with no upper ceiling. Correct. So, uh, and then every year you start over again, writing a few smaller, relatively small checks at the beginning of the year. So, well, that's um, probably not curable then, or at least they don't have anything on the horizon. It's called idiopathic. So who knows? Well, our mutual friend Paul has an idiopathic condition, and he told me that the word idiopathic means that they don't know where it came from. Yeah, it also means that the uh, the uh, patient is pathetic and the doctor's an idiot. Okay, well, <laughs> can't quote me on that. But, uh, you're, you're, we're not supposed to have fun with this uh, okay. Medicare stuff. <laughs> That's pretty fantastic. My doctor told me that. Uh, oh, well, okay, it came from the right place then. Uh, so then I, during the time that you lived in New York and I lived in Illinois, we didn't see each other all that often, but you went through a horrendous sounding surgical procedure, uh, because you had a, actually both of your shoulders were giving you some pain as I recall. Yes. And, uh, you were at my house in early, you know, it was like uh, 2010, 29. We were out in the garage working on Corvette stuff. And uh, you explained to me that moving your shoulders around was painful and it was getting worse and that one was worse than the other. Yes. So maybe we got to address that. And, and sure. it's called, it was bad rotator cuff in my right shoulder. Okay. Now you hear about that all the time and it doesn't sound It's for all that you hear about it. You would think 
half the population has it. But your surgical correction for that was really intense. Uh, the, the, the procedure was not bad. It was about a six-hour procedure. And so what, what the rotator cuff is, that's a series of four tendons that holds the, the uh, ball and socket together in your shoulder. And it's the only joint in your body that gives you 180 degrees range of motion. So it's pretty complex. The rotator cuff damage is when the, those tendons tear uh, and and disassociate, disassociate themselves with the bone. And how do you suppose that happened to you? Uh, mine could have been just uh, it, back then, probably just what I was doing, working on cars, a lot of, a lot of things over my head. Yeah. Uh, now my doctor says it's, I just got old. Well, okay, because that's true, but you were not old back then when the pain started to happen. Yeah, that was in 2011. And working over your head is a a factor that a lot lot, it puts stress on on the tendons and just different things and different activities can cause it. Uh, It's not it's not an unusual thing to happen to people. All right, that happens to a lot of people. Well, here's the problem that I have with this: the mental uh, problem. I'm getting to the point now where I'm about to build a garage mahal. And I want to have a lift. Every boy wants to have a lift to work on his cars with so he doesn't have to roll around on a dirty floor. Are you telling me that that might be problematic or it might increase the hazards of a... Probably no more than working on your back on the floor. Oh, okay. I would say it's about the same, Uh, except it's certainly more convenient to have a lift. Right. And I'm going to do more of that kind of activity if I've got a lift. Right. So, uh, hmm. So anyway, you had the, um, the pain that increased and one shoulder was worse than the other. Yes. And so you said, well, I don't want to go through both shoulder repairs at the same time as because we have a friend who went through knee replacement, both knees at the same time. And we thought that was insane. Yeah. But uh, so you decided to do one shoulder, one rotator cuff repair. Yes. And uh, so that was 2011. 2011. And, and I recall that you spent many nights, uh, like months, weeks at least, uh, sleeping in a uh, recliner at night instead of in your bed yes and so what's the deal with that uh the deal with that is that when you have shoulder surgery uh if you're first of all just laying down and trying to relax your shoulder is really painful and secondly when you get up you have to use every part of your upper torso to get out of bed Uh and you can't move your shoulder at all you're not allowed to move your shoulder after that surgery and you can't push off from the bed that's gonna you can't so so i I was one with the recliner for about uh six weeks yeah, yeah, it seemed like a long time. And you, you were kind enough to send me videos of of uh, how the surgery looks from the camera that they shove into your wound, your gaping wound. Yeah. And man, that looked uh, looked like a very in. I don't know what's the proper adjective. It looked like a very invasive, um, brutal kind of surgery. I mean, they were pretty much yeah. slamming away at it and everything. So eventually you felt like it was worth it. I know you never do it, you know, right at the outset, but. So it took about a year for full recovery and uh, my right shoulder became as good as new and uh, excellent, which made my left shoulder feel better because it took all the stress off my left shoulder. Okay. Yeah. Something somewhere along the line caused you to change your mind about that though. Well, my left shoulder started bothering me about uh, seven or eight months ago and it just kept, kept getting worse and worse. And then I started losing some range of motion. I couldn't sleep on my left side and things like that. So I went and went to the uh, a pain clinic and talked to them, and they gave me a cortisone treatment and ordered an, ordered an MRI. Did the cortisone do any good? Yeah, for about a week. Okay. Just felt better. And then he said, well, looks like you got some bad tears in your rotator cuff. And so he sent me to a surgeon, 
well, I saw the surgeon, which is, happens to be the same surgeon that your yep. has. Coincidentally. And uh, he said, uh, your ro- rotator cuff is beyond repair. You've got three full thickness tears and three of the tendons. And uh, so it's time for to replace your shoulder. Jeez. Now, replacing the sol- shoulder is a lot different than your first yes. surgery. Yeah. They're going to actually use saws and hammers and drills and taps uh, and, and put foreign pieces in my shoulder. Now, that's what we do to cars. I know. <laughs> that, that doesn't <laughs> seem run, right. Run me up on the lift. It doesn't <laughs> seem right to do that to a human. And, uh, of course, I would tell your doctor don't operate overhead because he's going to have a problem at some point. But this is a very mechanical type of thing rather than the surgery uh, that you had before. Right. It's actually an easier recovery, whereas the rotator cuff takes about a full year to recover completely. This this one's about four months because they're not uh, – they actually do away with the rotator cuff. And they're, the main thing that has to heal is the muscle that they cut into to uh, get exposure to replace the joint. I got to tell you right now, anybody in the audience that's looking at this type of surgery, I have a a video that Roy sent me that is a mechanical dramatization of what's going to go on during his surgery. Will it take five or six hours like the other one? Uh, I think it's supposed to take about three hours. Okay. So that's less intense, but it's a completely different type of operation. It's it's more invasive. It's it's about an eight-inch incision Okay. uh, on on the front of your shoulder. Ah. Well, I will say that I have nothing but supreme confidence that you're going to come out with a good result because, um, as Roy mentioned, my wife's uh, knee replacement surgeon is the guy who was recommended to Roy by his doctor. Go to this guy. He's the best there is, or at least he's as good as the uh, as there is around uh, Phoenix. And uh, so I've met this guy twice during each of my wife's knee replacements. She is not a good patient, but she's excellent at doing the physical therapy after the fact. Uh, she will do that like a Nazi. I mean, she will uh, uh, double down on that kind of stuff. And my understanding is, while it's very unpleasant while it's going on, it is uh, helpful in full recovery and maybe faster recovery. What do they tell you about what you're going to have to do after this surgery? Uh, sleep in the recliner again for for at least two, two to four weeks. Uh, and then they said about four months for full recovery. And do you, are you going to have to do some special therapy? It depends. Uh, it's, there's a possibility there'll be no therapy because things are, because the joint itself is, is actually good to go immediately after the surgery. That would be fantastic. They put new parts in. <clears throat> they just have to wait for stuff to heal. Right. Uh, but, so it's uh, the stuff around the shoulder. Around that, that has to get working again, the muscles. Yeah. But it's not, it's not as bad as, the, as trying to get tendons working again. And, and uh, since it's a titanium piece, I don't know what kind of material the socket is made out of, but... Uh, uh, well, let's hope it's something that's going to outlast you. Well, it, it should, because it's supposed to last about 15 years. Just uh, like me. Well, so, you know, I, I can see you 15 I'll, years I'll from now. I'll be 90. I know. But the thing is, the way medical science is going, yeah. we may be young and spry still at age 90. When I say we, our birthdays are a couple of months apart. So mine is first, and then I take all kinds of razzing from Roy for a couple of months, and then I get to turn the tables for 10 months of razzing and pointing and laughing. But anyway, so even if we get to 90, I wouldn't want to have to go through that again because they didn't use material that wasn't durable enough. Yeah, by by that time, they'll probably say, good luck and just see you around. Yeah, put put you out to pasture. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, I do have a really um, cool-looking video dramatization of the actual repair, the removal 
replacement and reassembly of the shoulder, but it's all, uh, you know, a cartoon basically, but it's very, uh, it makes you feel kind of creepy the first two times you watch it and then it gets better. But if there's anybody in the audience that is uh, facing this type of surgery, this joint replay or the shoulder replacement surgery, uh, just uh, send me an email at dbj at mlmmailbag.com and uh, I'll send you a copy of this video so you can uh, enjoy it yourself. Um, so when your, uh, your operation is going to take place in, uh, two weeks now or, uh, two weeks from yesterday, November 30th. Okay. And then you start the recovery process, which is predicted to sleep in the recliner for how long? Uh, four to six weeks. Okay. So actually, even though it's a different type of operation, the recovery is going to take long or as long as the other one did. Well, not total recovery. Because the, to- the total recovery, and this is about four, is about four months. Rotator cuff is almost a year. Oh. You get full motion back. Okay, with the rotator cuff, the original surgery you had, though, um, your pain relief didn't take that long, did it? Uh, the pain relief was. I've never experienced anything so painful as with the uh, rotator cuff surgery. Uh, this surgery is supposed to be much, much less pain. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, jeez, uh, I I wish you the best of luck with all of that. It's um, not something I would want to face, but on the other hand, I guess when you go to the doctor every week and spend eighteen hundred dollars of the taxpayers' money, <laughs> then uh, you get used to some things. Yeah. What else do we have to do these days? Well, I you know something we could spend more time working on cars and less time That's doing other stuff. But yeah. so, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Is there anything you'd like to tell the president, or you know, as long as you have a bully pulpit here? <laughs> well. You know, I'm, you, you know the way I think. I do. Rather conservatively. Right. And while I'm not thrilled with all the elections we just had, I'm real happy with uh, the way we finally got the House back. Yes, absolutely. I hope at least that does that does us some good. That's, that's a step in the right direction uh, as far as slowing things down. Uh, apparently in Arizona, we have difficulty counting. I don't, I don't know if the people counting the uh, votes uh, have enough fingers on each hand in order to accomplish that job but uh we're hoping in two years to have uh, additional progress in that direction and uh of course i've made no uh secret of my conservative bent on this podcast but i'm always afraid that if i have any liberals in the uh, audience that don't want to use me as their agent they should understand that i don't talk politics with my uh client so in fact i i talk politics with roy all the time except when we're talking about insurance right and then politics never comes into it. I'll give I'll give uh, one bit of praise to Doug, and that's that uh, when it comes to his business and insurance, it's one hundred percent professional. Ah, well, what a kind thing to say. And I would not normally say that. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> he had to be paid a lot of money in order to say that. <laughs> but anyway, I'm so happy that you came in today, Roy. It was uh, uh, excellent discussing all this stuff with you. It was my pleasure. I really had hoped that this uh, surgeon would have given you the book that we had for Mary's knees. I thought there was a maybe a shoulder uh, repair version of that, but apparently not. So uh, I won't be able to have uh, a string of episodes where we talk about knee, uh, shoulder replacement incessantly. But uh, uh, in, so I guess maybe that's good for some of the members of the audience who really got sick of that subject. But the whole thing with the the lengthy addressing of that uh, knee replacement surgery was I wanted to have Mary come in and interview her about her recovery. But the thing is, the recovery was really slow. And I thought it would be a bummer for you know anybody contemplating knee replacement surgery to think that it wasn't an immediately 
effective uh, pain relief uh, kind of thing. So I'm probably not going to be talking to you for a while, too, because I don't want to bum out the audience if you're having uh, difficulty or a lengthy recovery period. Well, it's either it's either it's either going to be good or bad. I'm, I'm planning on it being good and I'll be happy to come back anytime. We only live. 10 minutes away. Yeah. And Randy's right in the middle. I mean, if we had to stop off at his house and uh, he is, uh, he and I discuss uh, Guinness on, you know, when we go to his house, uh, the Guinness comes out right away. So uh, the conversation doesn't always follow the track that we expected to when we plan the visit. Anyway, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. And uh, we're going to wish you the best of luck during the surgery. And I do want you to come back afterwards and describe what it was like. Because I have to believe that there are people in the audience who are contemplating this kind of thing. You had your um, rotator cuff surgery uh, back in 2011. It's it's uh, 11 years now. Uh, how has the on you know the length of time have, have you had any relapse or? It's a little sore once in a while, but it's uh, nothing that I'm going to complain about. Okay, so the surgery did what it was supposed oh, to do. It was uh, it was fantastic. You know, a year after the surgery, it was it was as good as new, if not better. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, uh, thank you very much again. Uh, say hi to Kathy when you get back. Uh, and I will uh, <coughs> turn it over to Randy. He closes out the uh, the episodes. I'm going to turn my cough button on so I can cough and uh, listen to Randy's uh, excellent uh, wrap up. Well, that thank you so much, Doug. I appreciate that uh, thumbs up there. But Roy, I just wanted to thank you so much for joining us today because this brought out something that Doug wrestles with all the time is that people being afraid of going with the high deductible or what I call the high value plans for the Medicare supplements. And this is a prime example of where that worked perfectly. So I I really appreciate you letting us highlight that on the podcast because there's a lot of people I'm sure that are in the same situation and wondering whether that high deductible or what I affectionately call the high value piece of Medicare supplement plans is, is something to be scared of. And in your case, it clearly, clearly is working well for you. So thanks for joining us, Roy. I appreciate it. One of these days, uh, we're going to have to find a way to talk cars <laughs> because that's what we're all about some days. But thanks for joining us today. And we are going to go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you all for joining us. We appreciate it. It's a lot more fun having you with us than without us. So Thanks for joining us. You have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy originally from Oklahoma, but no more. He's living in the high mountain altitudes behind Cave Creek in his fortress of solitude. And I'm going to clock it in at about 8,500 feet today. Well, at least we can breathe without assistance and, uh, Thank you for Roy Roy's uh, addition to our podcast, and uh, we'll see you all later on.